Oh man, it feels good to be here in Miami. It feels wonderful. I love it. They say this is where the energy is today. This is where. Is that right? I love that. I love it, man. It's, it's great to be here. I love coming to Miami. It always feels like this just, I don't know, you get excited on the way and you're, and you're flying over it and it looks amazing and it's beautiful. And then they open up the plane door and the heat just punches you right in the face. Just, uh, my jaw still hurt a little bit from the way that, that heat just punched me. Um, yeah, and, and I, I mean, speaking of getting beat up, anybody ever been beat up in life? Just real, like, you ever been gotten a fight and been beat up, like, sincerely? No, no fighters in here? That's good, that's good. That's awesome. I have been in a few fights. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? I'm a transparent person. Uh, and I've also never lost a fight in my life. Um, and it's not because I'm a tough guy, I'm just be honest. It's because I knew when to run, okay? So you got to know when to run. I was a runner in school. I was a track star, okay? Just telling you. Um, but I saw, I, I haven't been in a fight as a, as a grown man, right? So I saw a grown man fight. I was driving home and I, I was at a red light. I stopped this red light and across the intersection, it was a little fender bender. And I saw two grown men in business suits get out and commenced to having a sparring match over bumpers and stuff. It was crazy. And one of the men clearly uh, was an MMA fighter on the weekends. Because he was destroying the other guy. It was bad. I mean, the guy was just getting pummeled. He was getting beat. I was like, oh, somebody blow the whistle, call the fight off, like hit the bell. I had to do something, y'all. So I said, I'm going to stop this. I rolled the window down. <laughs> Just trying to be a vessel. And I was like, hey, hey. The guy looked at me and said, what? I said, you, it's, you should think about what you're doing because it's not good. You should stop. Or not. I don't, it's up to you. Um, I'm going to roll my window back up. Okay. Uh, the police came and stopped it. And I was like, whew, thank God. But it was crazy because I saw this man. I mean, he was like, he was getting beat down. And I just imagine, like, what would it be like to be a boxer and you're in the ring? You just want to quit, but you can't. You can't quit till they ring the bell. You can't quit till the fight's called off. And, and how often is that life for us? How often are we just getting beat down? And we're just like, God, please call the fight off. Right? Crisis is going on. Things happening left and right. You're getting a phone call. And it's like, what is going on? And then this happens and that happens. Sometimes it just feels like thing on top of thing on top of thing. Sometimes it's just one thing. It just keeps beating you up over and over and over again. That one situation that you're just like, please, God, make it go away. Make it stop. And, and, and what we would call those things, what, what, what God uses is he, he uses storms and deserts. He talks about storms and deserts in the scripture all the time because it's a picture of us of trials and temptations. The, the, the desert is a wilderness. You always talk about Jesus being led into the wilderness to be tempted. The, the, the Israel was in the wilderness forever. They were in the desert. It talks about storms. There's storms all throughout the Bible. They're dangerous things. And see, when we're talking about biblical storms and deserts, we're not just talking about like, you know, the type of storms that we would experience here. We're talking about like ancient biblical times. Okay, there's not a lot of shelter. You know, it's not, it's not like you, you got your, your stucco home. If, if you're out in the middle of the ocean where a lot of these storms were occurring and you're on a ship or a boat, you're done for. 
right? There's no, there's no rescue party. There's no, you know what I mean, uh, uh, buoys or lights in the water. You're just done. If you're in the desert in ancient biblical times, I mean, there's no satellite phone. There's no, like, you're, it's a wrap. You make the wrong turn, no compass, it's over. You just call it off. Say, Bobcats, here I am, just take me. It's a wrap. Thirst, I'm going to die. And so when God is talking about storms and deserts in the Bible, he's, he's reminding us of really difficult things. And so we can relate to our trials and our tribulations. And so there are three kinds of storms and deserts that occur. There's three kinds. There's, there's the kind that we bring on ourselves. Right? You create your own. You've made some bad decisions. You've done some things that have created a storm in your life. There are the kinds that are brought on by other people. Right? Somebody has done something to you that has created a storm in your life. You didn't ask for it, but they brought it. Now you have to deal with it. And there are the kinds of storms that just occur from being in a broken world. You can't blame anybody. You can't blame anybody for cancer. You can't blame anybody for the natural disasters. It's just the product of a broken world that God is going to redeem and change one day. But until then, we have to learn how to deal with it. And I want to help us survive life's storms and deserts. I want to help us survive these storms. Because God wants us to not just survive, but to thrive. Right? Not just survive, but to thrive. So if we're going to talk about storms, we got to, we, 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 who better to talk about than my man Jonah? Right? If you're unfamiliar with Jonah in the Bible, Jonah is a prophet, reluctant prophet, that God has said, hey, Jonah, I need you to go send a message to these people called the Ninevites. They're doing some terrible, evil things. I need you to tell them to knock it off or I'm shutting them down. And Jonah's you know, has a lot of reasons internally. He's, he has some issues that, he's, that he doesn't want to do it. So he's saying, God, I don't want to do it. Not only does he say, I don't want to do it, he says, I'm not going to do it. Not only does he say, I'm not going to do it, he goes the opposite direction of where God calls him to go. How often is that our resolve? And God is telling us to do something and we're saying, but, but, but God, I want to I wanna do what I want to do. And so Jonah literally brings a storm on himself by disobeying God. And it says this, it says in Jonah chapter one, verse four, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So the ship was about to be broken up. The Lord sent that storm because Jonah refused to obey. Jonah has created a storm in his life by not doing what God has called him to do. A lot of us are going through hell on earth because of decisions that we have made. Decisions that we have made have put us in a crisis, have put us in a desert, have put us in a storm. And let me tell you something. God is not punishing you. He's not punishing you. The punishment was already taken on the cross with Jesus Christ. Okay? God is not sitting up there saying, oh, I'm going to get you for this. That's not what's happening. We're dealing with two things. We're dealing with the consequences of our decisions. And we're dealing with sometimes the discipline of God. All right, sometimes it's just consequences for the decisions that we make. You steal, you, you go to jail. You break somebody's heart, you get a knife in your tire. That's just what, and these are the consequences of our decisions, right? And so, you know, 
we create some of these storms in our lives. Sometimes we're the reason behind the financial crisis. We're the reason behind the relational and the emotional crisis. But it's not a punishment for our sin. God disciplines those whom he loves. Right? That's what Hebrews tells us. He disciplines those whom he loves. So it's a loving act. It'd be unloving for me as a parent to not discipline my children so that they learn that's not a good thing I, to do. So it's love more than it is uh, anything else. It's not punishment. So, so God is sometimes disciplining us. God was disciplining Jonah. Like When you go to the Middle East and you see sheep, you see a shepherd. There could be three shepherds and 300 sheep. Each shepherd has 100 sheep. If one shepherd calls his sheep, and the, they're all mixed together, and that one shepherd calls his sheep, I don't know what my sheep call me. He'd be like, yerp, sheep, sheep, sheep. I don't know what it would be. But just imagine, you know, I call my sheep, yerp, and all 100 of my sheep are going to come running. Not 150, not 75, 100, because they, they, they know the voice of their master. That's why Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. So all the sheep are going to come, but, but, but listen, if there's one sheep, when you call Europe, sheep, 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 one sheep who decides I'm not coming, go where I want to go. You get out into the wilderness, you get out into the, where it's dangerous. And that sheep just says, I want to go where I want to go. Well, now it's dangerous. Now that sheep's in danger. And, and, and so what the shepherd does, and it's going to sound cruel. Okay. This is going to sound harsh. Peter, don't come get me. This is just what happens. The shepherd will take the sheep and snap his leg. He snaps his leg. Now, it's not to punish him. It's not to, to hurt him. It's to keep him from being eaten by wolves. Better a broken leg than to be eaten by a wolf. But the sheep doesn't just leave him there. I mean, the shepherd doesn't leave him there. The shepherd takes the sheep, picks him up, puts him over his shoulders and carries him where he needs to go. Y'all, sometimes God is breaking your legs, but he's keeping you from being devoured by the enemy. keeping you from being eaten alive out there by the enemy. And God is not going to leave you broken legged limping around. He's going to pick you up and carry you where you need to go. Better a broken leg than to be eaten up by the enemy. And so that's what's happening. Jonah's disobedience was leading to his crisis, but God was going to use that crisis to teach him, to strengthen him. The storm's not a punishment, it's a wake-up call. And so Jonah's disobedience was the result of him not trusting in the goodness of God. See, that's all sin is. Sin is, is all rooted in us not believing that God has what's best in mind for us. We believe that we know what's best for us and he doesn't. The, the, the enemy lies to us and tells us that if we do what God says, it's going to be miserable. Right? Some of us have been in bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship because we refuse to do it God's way. We want to do it our way. So we're just creating crises for ourselves. And God is saying, you need, you need, I told you to be single for a while, but God, but he, but see. <laughs> right? And we don't mean it. We don't mean to cause these storms and deserts in our lives. We're not trying. We're not like, yes, I can't wait for this storm. That's not what we're doing. We're just chasing happiness, but we're refusing to listen to God as to how that happens. It's not like Adam and Eve were sitting around saying, yo, check this out. Eve, I got this great plan to ruin humanity. It's going to be crazy. No, they were pursuing happiness outside of the will of God. They were doing what they thought was best because they did not believe God knew what was best. So, you know, 
our disobedience is rooted in us not believing God knows what's good. So when we're in these storms, it's because we're refusing to believe sometimes that God knows what's best. But let me tell you what we tend to do. We get in these storms. We tend to try to sin our way out of the storm. What happens when you get caught stealing? You lie. It wasn't me. See my kid, I'm like, chocolate all over his face. Who ate the cake? I don't even know, daddy. I'm like, why would you try to get yourself out of this by lying? See, David has an affair. What does he do? He tries to get himself out of it by having her husband killed. See, when you try to sin your way out of suffering, you just sin your way into more suffering. You hear me? When you try to sin your way out of suffering, you sin your way into more suffering. So God wants us to know that, listen, you can't take on this crisis yourself. You can't get yourself out of this. You need to trust me. What God wants us to know is that we got to give it to him and we got to be patient. We got to be patient. He's working it out. He's working it out. He knows what he's doing. You got to be patient in the midst of the storm. See, our problem is God is never late. We're just impatient. He knows what he's doing. He's already got a plan for how he's going to use this storm for your good. The Bible says all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's working this out for your good if you'll be patient. Now, God uses storms and God uses deserts. And, and, and a desert is a dry and weary place. It's empty. It's dry. There's no vegetation. There's no water. It's just dead and desolate. And some of us are in here dead and desolate. Some of us are dry. You know what happens when you're not spiritually alive? Only thing you have is your senses. When you're not spiritually alive, you, 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 you only have your senses. So you, you begin to be sensually alive. You try to find life from your five senses. So now you think getting drunk and going out is going to make you alive. You think that relationship is going to make you alive. And it's not going to make you alive because there's only one person who can give you life and life more abundantly. And that's God. That's it. So some of us are in the desert. I've been there. I know what it's like. You're in a desert. You're dry. You're empty. And, in, and some, sometimes we're in a desert not because of any of our own doing. It's because some, somebody did something to us. We didn't ask for it. It happened. It came our way. We're like David. David was in the desert after he'd been anointed king. Now he's running from the king. He's like, God, why am I running from Saul? You said I was king. How many of us are in that position? God, you said I was your child. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? You didn't ask for your parents to abuse you. You didn't ask for that. Some of us don't, you know, we don't even know our parents. We didn't ask for that. But that's caused a storm in our life. And we're saying, God, why? And God is saying, don't ask why, ask what? Don't ask why, ask what? Ask what am I going to do with this? Ask what can you learn from this? Ask what is going to happen in you as a result of this storm and this desert that you're in? And when you're in those type of deserts and storms, it, it can cause an emotional or mental turmoil. It can cause emotional and mental turmoil where you're just like, God, I, I don't have anything left to give. And so we look at Jonah, Jonah in chapter three and chapter four. I'm sorry. He says, therefore, oh, Lord, please take my life from me. It's better to die than to live. I think sometimes we forget that the, the, the characters in the Bible are humans with human emotions just like us. 
Can you imagine what it must have felt like for him to go through everything he went through? He wanted to take his own life. You know how low that is? Have you ever wanted to, to, to take your own life? That's the lowest low it can get. That's a low place. Jonah was in a low place just like us. We can relate. Some of us have been there. We can relate. I remember walking in the Bronx, New York. I'm crossing, I'm crossing the, the Bronx Bridge. Why? I don't know. It's dangerous. I don't know what I was doing. I was with a friend of mine. I'm crossing over the Bronx Bridge. I see a woman running at us, full speed, covered in blood. I'm looking and I'm like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Is this woman covered in blood? And she's running at us. We're walking on the edge of the bridge. She's running right at us. And I say to my friend, I say, what is going on? He said, it's New York, man. Let it happen. <laughs> but, but, but as she gets closer, I notice she's not running at us. She's running to the edge of this bridge. She's about to jump right there in front of us. And it was my reflex. It was an out-of-body experience. I promise you, I just uh, grabbed her. I grabbed her and, and I held her and she started kicking and fighting me. Kicking and fighting, saying, let me go. Let me go. I'm trying to go meet God. I said, sweetheart, you can meet God on this side of the bridge. You can meet God on this side of the bridge. See, see, she was distressed. She was distraught. She was at the end of her rope. And guess what? But she, but she didn't know something. And this is what we all need to know. She woke up that morning. If you woke up this morning, that means God is not done with you yet. That means he still has plans for you. That means your story's not over. It's still being written. The chapter's not over with. She needed to know that this is not the time to throw in the towel. This is not the time to give up. It's the time to trust God more, to dig in deeper. And that's where Jonah found himself. He found himself in a desert, in a storm. Later on in the, in the book, he was in a, in a, in a, in a desert-like situation where he was so hot. He was distraught. And he sat there in the heat. And God, out of love, caused the plant to grow over his head just to give him a little shade. Sometimes that's all we need. Just a little bit of shade, God. Just a little shade so that I'm reminded that you're here. Because it's ugly. It's crazy. I just need to be reminded that you're here. You're an emotional wreck. You're a disaster. But if God just gives you a little shade, you know he's present. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 121.5. It says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The shade at your right hand. Now, I I, I looked at it the first time and I thought about that. And I was like, the shade? Is that like kind of when I'm blocking the sun? Because God, that's not really a lot of shade. It's like, that's just blocking the sun. I mean, the sun is not in my eyes, but I'm still hot. And I thought about it and I said, "I I don't think that's what it is at all. I think what it is is, I'm going to show you. I can show you better than I can tell you. Everybody raise your right hand. Raise your right hand. Get it up. Now, if you didn't wear deodorant, it's a safe place. It ain't that safe. We will forgive you, but we won't forget. Okay, just so you know. But but get it up high. Stretch it. Get it up. Get it up far as you can. Get it away from you. And what this scripture is saying is that as far away as your hand is from you is the furthest God will ever be from you. That's the furthest God will ever be from you. And where is your hand usually? Put it down. It's usually right by your side. Right by your side. 
God is the shade at your right hand. He is right by your side. As far as you can reach your hand is the furthest he will ever be from you. He is the shade at your right hand. He will be there for you. You can trust him in the midst of your desert, in the midst of your storm. That's how close he is to you right this very minute. We have to remind ourselves that God is always close. It's painful. It's a struggle. It doesn't lessen the pain sometimes, but it's a reminder that even in the desert, water's right around the corner. It's a reminder that even in the storm, the sun is going to rise. It's a reminder he's right by our side. In 2 Samuel 22, David is, uh, he, 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 he's finally free from the wrath of Saul and he starts to praise God and he's encouraged. And sometimes, y'all, we got to praise God in the midst of the turmoil. We got to praise him in the midst of the problems because we know what he's going to do. We know that he's using this some kind of way for our good. So we got to praise him in advance. But later on in the verse, in, in, in verse 22, 34, it says that he made my feet like the feet of a deer to secure me on the heights. Now, this is not the kind of deer that you see when you're driving down the highway. This is, these are Middle Eastern deer. It's ancient Israeli deer. Okay, these deer, literally, if you go out there and you see these deer, they're more like goats. They, they, they climb mountains very quietly. They can get up high in some kind of weird, miraculous way. I think it could scale this wall and be up there in the balcony with y'all if it wanted to. They have magic feet. It's like magic feet deer. You could be walking down the road and there's one next to you and you turn and you say, hey, y'all, look at this. It's going up the mountain quietly, stealthily. Magic feet deer. So, so... What, what David is saying is, God, as I'm walking down this desert path and in front of me, I see these rocks and I'm saying, oh, my goodness, how am I going to get through this? He says, matter of fact, God, I'm not asking you to move them out the way. I'm saying, give me feet like a deer to scale these hills. He's saying, you don't have to clear the path. Just give me feet for the path. You don't have to make the path easy. Just give me the feet to get through this. Some of us are saying, oh God, make it go away. Make it go away. What we need to be saying is, God, make a way. God, make a way. My grandma would always say, he may not get you out, but he'll get you through. He'll get you through. You got to trust him. You got to trust him. And this, and this is what I don't want y'all to miss. Okay, you know, uh, Thessalonians talks about don't scoff at prophecy. And, and the Bible is, is, is a prophetic book. And I don't want you to miss this because, see, we can hear a million sermons. You hear a million sermons. You, you, you clap, you get excited today, but tomorrow you forgot about it already. Unless it's a word for you. And that's what a prophecy is. It's a word for you. I believe God has a word for you. So don't miss this one. See, we have to take God at his word. God is not a man that he should lie. God does not break his promises. If he makes a promise, he's going to keep it. He's made a lot of promises in the Bible. You go through the Psalms over and over again. It says he delivers. He saves. He conquers. He's a deliverer. He answers. Guess what? Deliverance is what he does. That's just a part of what he does. He will deliver you. And you're looking at me. I can tell. I can feel it in my bones. You're looking at me saying, Lecrae, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know my situation. You don't understand what I've experienced. You don't understand what I've gone through. And guess what? I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand. I'll admit it. I don't understand. But guess what? I don't understand a lot of things. I don't understand my second graders math. 
Okay, they got new math today in 2019. It's new math. It's different math when I was a kid. I'm looking at it like, what is this? Hey, I don't understand this math. It's new math. I don't understand. I don't understand. Your situation is different. It's different than David's situation. It's different than Rahab's situation. It's different than Ruth. It's different than Moses. But guess what? Different situations, same God. Different situations, same God. I'm talking about the God that pardons prisoners, the God that heals diseases, the God that restores broken relationships. I'm talking about the God that reverses the diagnosis, the God that turns wayward children back home, the God that cures anxiety, the God that cures depression, the God that can fix broken marriages. Different situations, same God. Somebody better praise them today. Praise this God. He's not perplexed. He's not challenged. He's not looking at your situation saying, Woo, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have the Holy Spirit. What you think about this one? I don't. He's not perplexed. It's not a problem for him. I wish you would test him. I wish you would test him. Matter of fact, he wants you to test him. See, we got. Well, we got to start doing, we got to start believing that he is our deliverer. We got to stop believing that we can do this in our own strength, and our own power. We don't have to use our own power. We have the power of God. Right? We, we, we keep believing this lie that oh, oh, this one's too much and there's no way I'm going to be able to deal with this one. God is not perplexed. It's not a problem for him. He's asking you to test him. He's asking you. I, I, I remember, I remember you know, I growing up in a single home, single parent home, and I'm sitting in the car with my mom in the eighth grade, and the car breaks down on the side of the road, and she's like, hey, you get out and push, I'm going to steer to the side of the road. Now, that's going to kill my whole eighth grade career. <laughs> okay, I'm out here pushing a car, and people, hey, Lecrae, I'm like, oh, it's working out a little bit, hanging out. But then imagine me in the car with my friend who's in a two-parent home. And I'm sitting in the back seat. His mom is driving and the car breaks down. And I'm like, oh, here we go again, man. I guess we got to get out and push this car. And his dad turns around and says, y'all stay in the car. I'm going to go push. <laughs> y'all don't hear me. His dad said, y'all stay in the car. I'm going to push. Y'all don't hear me. Daddy's telling you, sit in this car. I'm going to push. What are you doing worrying? What are you doing stressing out when daddy's sitting in the car with you? Sit in the car. He's going to push. He's got this. It's not a problem. I wish you would give him your issues. I wish you would test him. Y'all going to have to start tattletelling. That's the problem. We don't snitch enough. We need some more snitches in here. What am I saying? I'm saying, listen, when the, when the, the, the trials and tribulations of life get to beating you down, you better start telling, God, they messing with me. God, the enemy's attacking me again. God, they after me. God, they beating me up again. You better start tattletelling, start snitching. And what's going to happen? God going to kick open the door like a Caribbean mother say, you messing with my child, you messing with me. You messing with me. Y'all better start telling God's saying, I wish you would test me. Yeah. I wish you would. See, God, God, he got this. He's got it. We look at Jonah again. Jonah's in a dark place. Y'all, he's in the darkest of places. 
It doesn't get any more darker than when the man is, what is he done? He's run from God. He's tried to kill himself. You know, he's thrown in the ocean. He gets swallowed by a giant fish. He's about to burn up on the beach. He's depressed. He's willing to take his own life. It doesn't get any lower for him. And the scripture says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then I prayed to the Lord. He prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. God will answer you. Will you call out? Will you trust him? God will answer you. Some of us have been dealt a bad hand. We didn't ask for some of these storms. We didn't ask for some of these deserts. But some of us have been out here asking for storms. We've been doing a rain dance like, bring it on. I'm out here. It's okay though. God delivers both. He delivers both. Those who've caused their own storms and those who did not ask for the storm. God will deliver both. Jonah caused his own storm. It's okay. Look at your life. Look at your life. Look in the rearview mirror of your life and see all the many times that God brought you out. See all the many times that God caused shade to happen. God's saying, look in the rearview mirror. If I've done it before, I can do it again. I deliver. That's what I do. He's a deliverer. God loves you. He will part the Red Sea for you. He will cause water to spring up out of a rock for you. He's working this all out for your good. And I get it. I get it. Some of y'all, you're still on the edge because you're like, but Cray is so bad. And I know what so bad is. I've been dealt a lot of bad hands and I've dealt myself a few bad ones as well. You know, not too long ago, I was in Mexico on a vacation. And I didn't even want to be on this vacation because, you know, it wasn't like I was excited. It was because I needed to be there. I was overstressed. I was overworked. I was more depressed than I'd ever been. I was more anxious than I'd ever been. It was a clinical depression by this time, and it was a severe, acute anxiety by this time. That's why I thank God, and I pray for your pastors when they're out on vacation. Pray that God will restore them so they will come back better than they were when they left. Let me tell you something. I was so anxious and depressed, I couldn't even go outside my house. And so... I've gotten to Mexico and I'm with my wife just hoping to get some some restoration. I'm in a dark place. I'm trying to read Jonah. I can't even read my Bible, y'all. It's so bad. And my wife says, just maybe just go on the balcony and pray and just look at the water and just try to calm down. And I get out there on the balcony and I start seeing the waves crashing against the rocks in the ocean. And I keep looking I see water shooting straight up. And I'm thinking, okay, God, now I'm depressed, anxious, and going crazy. <laughs> so now what? But as I looked a little closer, I saw it was a whale shooting water up out of its spout. And I'm thinking, oh, I was reading Jonah. <laughs> a couple of days go by, I'm feeling better. Healing is taking place slowly. I'm having dinner on the beach with my wife and out the corner of my eye, I see the fin of a whale come up, come back down into the water. I'm thinking, oh, that's crazy. I saw the whale and then I saw the Whoa, crazy. Our last day there, I 
feeling better than I have felt in a while. And the guest services at the hotel left a gift on our bed. I walked in the room and I saw this gift and it was a stuffed whale. I broke. I started crying. Because God was saying, even though you can't read the Bible, I'll make the Bible come alive for you. I have never been further than as far as your right hand can reach. I am the shade at your right hand. I am with you. See, I said this before. God is not transactional. I wanted him to make it go away. He said, no, I'm not transactional. I'm relational. I want to walk with you through the storm. I want to walk with you through what you're dealing with, through what you're battling. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I'm using this for your good. I know it doesn't feel like it, but I have a plan to strengthen your faith in this process God was showing me that love is at the heart of these storms love is at the heart of these storms Jesus is not going to let you sink Jesus is not going to let you drown as a matter of fact he threw himself into the ultimate storm so that we would not drown it's not coincidence it's not coincidence that, that, that Jonah is sacrificed to save a few sailors in the boat. And Jesus is sacrificed to save the world. Jonah is found asleep in the boat during a violent storm. And the sailors had to come wake him up and say, do you want us to die? Do you not care? Fast forward in scripture, Jesus is also asleep in the middle of a violent storm. And the disciples wake him up and say, do you want us to drown? Jonah is awakened and he's thrown in the sea and the sea is calm. Jesus steps out and calms the wind and the waves and both the disciples and the sailors are more afraid after it's calm than they were when it was raging. Because now they're looking at the power of God and saying, whoa. God sometimes has us in a storm so that we can step back and say, whoa. Whoa. Because if you could get yourself out of it, you wouldn't marvel at his amazingness. You wouldn't marvel at his power. But when he reaches in and pulls you out, you're more afraid of that power than you were of the storm. But the bigger the sacrifice, the bigger the salvation. Jonah was sacrificed to save a few men in a boat. Jesus was sacrificed into the ultimate storm to save the world. And in Matthew, Jesus says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days so the son of man will be in the belly of the earth for three days but he's going to resurrect he's going to resurrect proving that the storm was no match for him and all those who are in Jesus are safe from the storm the storm will not defeat him and he, it will not defeat those who are in Christ if you're in him you are safe if you're not come on come up out the storm Come out the storm. Come home. There's safety in his arms. He's the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. If you've been in a storm for a long time, come home. If you're causing it yourself, come home. If you didn't cause it and you're just in it, it's okay. God got you. See, your storm is not like her storm. It's not like his storm. It's not like my storm. 
is not like Jonah's storm. Different storms, same God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because the storm is no match for you. And the storms in our life, God, wear us down, but you are not surprised. You are not perplexed. You are not overwhelmed. You have already planned a way to use it for our good. So God, we do ask for deliverance. We do ask for you to clear the path, but if you don't give us feet to make it through the path. Jesus, we love you. I pray for everyone in here who's battling, who's wrestling, who needs to know, who needs to be assured that you can calm the winds and the waves. And I pray for those in here who've been battling for a long time, God, that you would just encourage their souls that you have a plan and it is good. May we all come home to rest in your arms. We love you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you.